Welcome to Q&A, a deeper dive with Sam Holm and other guests as we dig deeper into the sermon content each week. Welcome to our first episode of Q&A, a deeper dive with Sam Holm. My name is Mark Presley. I want to welcome you to this exciting start of a podcast. Uh, We'll be spending the next few weeks, if not the next few semesters, dealing with content from the sermon, looking a little deeper, taking your questions, trying to answer those as best we can. Uh, The way you can get involved is you can text us in your question, text QUESTION to 96123. You'll receive a prompt, and we will try to discuss that. It's best if you send those in Sunday during the sermon, but we can try to answer them throughout the week. If you want to go back and watch this week's sermon or other week's sermons, you can go to firstmckinney.com slash on demand. Now I'm sitting here with Sam again. My name is Mark and I'm sitting here with Sam and we just kind of want to discuss this week's sermon. We we dug deep into Romans 9, 1 through 29, kind of looked at predestination and election. I can see right now you're antsy. You're ready to get going. Why don't you, uh, let's pause though, and why don't you kind of summarize, recap the sermon for those that might have missed it. Awesome. And, and before I do that, I want people to know Mark Presley. Uh, Mark grew up in our church. Uh, Mark is the guy in charge of everything that happens really on Sunday mornings. He's a production leader, but also the creative leader. And he loves the Word of God. He's also been for a long time one of the master teachers in our youth. He's preached in our church. And so Mark is bringing to this this discussion not just questions, uh, but Mark is going to wrestle with me at times around the Word of God. So Mark, thank you for I didn't know we get to wrestle. Oh, well, that, that could be interesting. Yeah, y'all be glad that it's uh, not video, I'm, it's audio. I got you in the weight class, that's for sure. <laughs> So that, that's Mark, and he's talked about the what. I want to talk about the why for a second, and okay. then I'll summarize. The why for what we're doing right now is we recognize, hey, a lot of people in the summer travel. Uh, what would it look like for us to put stuff in people's hands? In addition to that, we're watching right now as podcasts have been helpful for a lot of different Christians around the country, that, that there's people recognizing, hey, while I'm working out or while I'm driving or while I can I can dive deeper, right, to get more devotional content. And so podcasts have been helpful. And so as, as Mark said, we're, we're going to do a run through the summer and we're going to see, is this something that is helpful for people? Is it something that is going to be truly a resource in your hands? And so we're, we're saying, hey, if, if God's using this in different places, could this be a cool time? And then finally, one of the big whys is we're going to be walking through some controversial passages of Scripture. And so this this is an opportunity for us to discuss what what God says in the Word of God. And so on Sundays, what, what my role is, is not to just talk about what I want to talk about. My role is to talk about what the Bible says. And Romans chapter 9... Speaking of controversial. Yes, is like, wow. Uh, Romans chapter 8, uh, where we were uh, since Easter's high point in Scripture, it's a beautiful passage where it starts with, there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ. And it ends with, there's no separation for those who are in Christ from the love of God. That, that, that we get to see through Jesus. And in chapter 8, he talks about, we called it the, the golden chain, uh, and actually one of our questions said, explain the golden chain a little more. And so I'll just, if you want to... You talked about it, Ryan talked about it, several people, so yeah. Yes, and so uh, the, the, in Romans chapter 8, which Paul uh, amplified, digs into more in chapter 9, Paul says that God foreknew, he predestined, he calls, he justifies, he conforms to the image of his son, 
and he glorifies those who are in Christ. And Paul presents it as something that God does from the beginning to the end. And that's beautiful for those who are in Christ. But what about those who are not in Christ? And so chapter 9 talks about it. And actually, after we preached uh, this passage on Sunday, I had conversations with people Sunday morning and then in my life group on Sunday night who were in tears talking about the pain in their life of watching those that they love who don't know Jesus be outside of what seemingly is God's like sovereign plan. And so I know I just used those words. Another question that was asked and in, 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 that yes. y'all sent in is explain the difference between predestination and election. Uh, and maybe that's not the exact wording of the question. Well, let's, we, go, let's go back because on the golden chain... Walk yes. through the actual steps of the golden chain, because okay. you've done that fast in your sermons, just so they can catch it as they're driving or listening, wherever. Uh, yeah, okay. So foreknowledge, uh, almost no Christian argues against the fact that God knows all things. And so God foreknew, before the creation of the world, everything that would happen, right? Those he foreknew, it says he also predestined. And the word there, predestined, literally means to choose beforehand, so those whom he foreknew, he also chose beforehand, and those he foreknew or he, he predestined, he also calls. Well, what is the calling? And Paul in, in Romans tells us that we're called to Jesus through hearing the gospel, right? We're called. Those who he calls, he justifies. He declares not guilty uh, before God because of the work of Jesus. He justifies. Those he justifies, he also uh, you used in a conversation we had recently a sanctification. He, he conforms to the image of his son. He makes us truly disciples who live in love like Jesus. And then finally, he glorifies, which is what's coming in heaven. But Paul writes it in Romans chapter 8 as such a surety. He writes it in the past tense as if this is already done, that we get to be glorified with him eternally in heaven. It's like this prophetic past tense. So the chain would be each one of those being a link in that. Yes. The, and then the one of the questions, of I'm sorry I interrupted, one of the questions then specifically, which you just answered, but what is predestination, election? I know they're a little bit different, but just a general definition of those terms. Yeah, and, and uh, the, the, he also uses the word elect in chapter 8, and he'll use it again in chapter 9. Uh, we understand the word election because in in our world we have elections, right, and where we choose someone. Predestination is to elect beforehand. Uh, one of the conversations that where people want to go with the conversation around elections, what about all those who weren't elect? And I would just say, hey, that's not what the Bible's trying to argue for. That what the Bible's arguing is who is elect in this 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 conversation. Just like for us, when the president is elected, we don't talk about the millions and millions of citizens that were not elected president. We talk about who was elected, right? And so that's what's happening in Romans chapter eight. So chapter eight shifts then to chapter nine, where Paul is literally in great sorrow, verse 2, in unceasing anguish around those who are Israelites who don't know Jesus. Now, many Israelites do know Jesus and did at that time. He's one of them, right? He calls them his brothers. They've come to faith in Christ, but he recognizes that there are many who aren't 
believers. And so then he really wrestles with, okay, well, they're the ones that were given the promises. They're the ones that Jesus came through, right? Uh, does this mean, does this mean that God is, and again, th- the three big questions that he asked, is, is God unfaithful? Is he unfaithful to the promise? And he he clarifies, no, that God's promise all along. And this was your sermon. You yes. had the, the three, four questions in your sermon. So That's yeah. right. So th- this is the sermon, <laughs> yes, in the text, hopefully. Uh, Correct. That, that God has been faithful to his promise, which wasn't to all the people of Israel. It was to specific people in Israel. And then he asks, is God unjust to, to pick out of the people of Israel some that the promise would come through? And he says, no. And he says, God from the beginning has said, he said to Moses when he showed his glory, I will have mercy on whom I have mercy. And then he says, well, then is, is it unfair for him to find fault in us if, if God is the one that's in charge of all of this, and he says, no, it's who are we to find fault with the potter? Like, we're the clay. Uh, we, we, God's not at fault in this. He's extending mercy to some. And then he shows in a beautiful way that he's done this to show his glory, the riches of his glory, to those who are redeemed. And so this, it's it was a painful passage to teach and honestly prompted a lot of pain in people that I know and love because of the people we know and love who are not saved. Does What does that look like? And so that was the summary of the sermon. Yeah. We've already touched on two of the questions that y'all texted in around it, so maybe that was helpful for those and, questions. And you said it created a lot of pain. It actually created a lot of questions. And again, if you want to send us questions, I know I said this at the first, but you can text the word question to 96123. And then it'll send you a prompt, and you can send us a question. Again, it can be throughout the week. It can be as you're listening to the sermon, if something comes up, and we'll try to answer that. Mm-hmm. But let's let's dig into some of those questions. And uh, there's some pretty tough ones, very specific, but I want to kind of go more broad at the first of this. Um, and someone texted in, they're, they're kind of several similar, but basically in the vein of, does God create some people with the intent that they will go to hell? Wow. So maybe this is a good time for me to say again that I don't pretend to fully understand what we are talking about right now. I don't pretend to understand the way that God's election predestination, His sovereignty connects to man's responsibility. And that's where our, our sermon next week will be. We'll see, as Paul teaches again, well, whoever believes is saved, right? Whoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. And so it's clear in Scripture that God loves the whole world. But the, the question specifically, does God create some people with the intent that they will go to hell? So one of the verses in our Bible reading plan, at like right <laughs> Monday morning this week, right after I preached it. And if you want the Bible reading plan, you can go on our website and there's a, there's a link to it just to throw in that little bit of advertising there. Yes, in line with the question, is this in Proverbs chapter uh, 16, verse 4, the Lord has made everything for its purpose, even the wicked for the day of trouble. Now, on surface reading, it might look like he's saying that God made people wicked. But God did not make people wicked. 
That's not what the Bible teaches us. And so I'm going to just I want to I want you to see again the other side of the coin with me for just a second because I think it helps answer to this question did God create some people with the intent that they would go to hell. Uh, in the book of Genesis, the Bible shows us that God created man and the world and everything, and it was good, everything. It was very good. And the problem comes when Satan comes along and he tempts man, and man disobeys God on his own right free will. He, he follows yeah. what Satan call, called him to do. He disobeyed God. He rebelled against God, and the world then broke. We know that that's what happened because the Bible tells us. Did God create Adam and Eve evil? No, he created them good, and they were led through being tempted to do something wrong. Uh, We also know throughout Scripture that that God is called holy, 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 right? Uh, He is perfect and set apart. He has no—that's Isaiah chapter 6, verse 3, Psalms chapter 5, verse 4. He has no pleasure— in wickedness. Uh, he does not tempt man to do evil, James chapter 1. The Lord loves righteousness and he hates wickedness, Psalms uh, 45. This all-consuming character of God, God is light and in him there is no darkness at all. That's 1 John chapter 1 verse 5. So God, there's nothing about God that's evil. God created us good. God is good. Does God create people with the intent to go to hell? No. We rebel against God. God being a good judge, then must judge sin. God sends his son Jesus to take the penalty that we deserve for our sin so that we have the opportunity to believe in him, to receive, repent, believe, and follow this new king and this new kingdom and be redeemed. But many people do not. They are judged and go to hell. Does that answer the question? It, it does. It does, actually. Um, it brings up several more questions. Uh, so looking, looking at some of the questions that came in, and you mentioned wickedness and, and how God created us and all that, one of the questions specifically addresses Uvalde, um, which was terrible. I know I have young kids, and watching the scenes on the TV – um, all of that just broke my heart. But where uh, the question was, where does that fit in? Um, some of the evil people out there, where yeah. do they fit in with Romans 9 and, and election, predestination, all those kind of things? Yeah. Oh, super painful last few weeks. Great question. And frankly, as a follower of Christ, believing in a sovereign God, right? This big question, how can there be a sovereign God? and yet still be so much pain, to still have Uvalde's and terrible evil like that happening in the world, right? Where does that fit in this this sovereign God? Uh, Romans chapter 9, I think, helps us a little bit in that, and so I'm going to point to a few things that I preached and dive a little deeper, all right? That's what we're here for. We're standing on the diving board, ready to jump in deep. All right. So verse 17 of Romans chapter 9, Paul moves from God saying to Moses, I'll have mercy on whom I have mercy, which we are thinking, wow, that's awesome. Obviously, we have a just God who judges sin, but he's going to choose to be merciful to some. And then he says in verse 17, for the scripture says to Pharaoh, for this very purpose I have raised you up. Now, Pharaoh was not Moses, right? Pharaoh was a bad guy. He did a lot of evil things. 
Uh, you look at what happened in Uvalde, and then you multiply that by hundreds of thousands of people, right? What what the the yeah. Uh, Moses, when he was born in the basket, this was, right? Pharaoh was killing all the babies. Scripture says to Pharaoh, For this very purpose I've raised you up, that I might show my power to you. And this is actually not the Pharaoh that killed all the babies in the basket, then another one. That, the, by, uh, that my name might be proclaimed in all the earth. And then he says he has mercy on whomever he wills, and he hardens whomever he wills. Okay, what? Mm-hmm. Okay. okay, surface reading, again, it looks like, similar to Proverbs chapter 16, that God is making Pharaoh hard, that he, again, he's, he's making him the wicked for the day of trouble, right? And some people, by the way, some that love Jesus, actually do believe this, and this that, that that God actually makes wicked people, and He controls wickedness. Now, here's the way I see it, and I see it in the story of Pharaoh. I believe there's a difference between active control and passive control. Okay, explain a little. Okay, yeah, I'm gonna try. Um, I I could reach across the table, right, and take your coffee. I would not be happy. Okay, <laughs> you'd not be happy. That would be me stealing it, me doing it. Okay, and then the wrestling comes in. This that, is that you first mentioned at the first. That, <laughs> there, there you go. The wrestle would happen. It would it would go down, and right? I would win. But. You, you would win, right? That that's all. That's my action: going and grabbing it, pulling it over. Whatever. Okay, and you're you're moving the coffee farther away from me. <laughs> okay, that would be all my action. Or, or okay, I could I could have the cup in the middle of the table here, and and watch you go out to gra- now now, if, if it's close enough for you to grab here I'll move it right. It's close enough for you to grab right. You can still pick it up now. I could I could take control and move it farther away from you. Now you can't grab it without you know what I'm saying. So uh, so so there there's I'm I'm passively allowing it to be still taken by you. I'm not explaining this as well as I was hoping to. Now, I'm, let me try to go a little farther. The Bible says, yes, in the story of Pharaoh, that God hardened Pharaoh's heart. But it also says over and over and over, if you go and read it, that Pharaoh hardened his own heart. So Pharaoh had a hard heart, whether or not God was involved or not. And God allowed that to continue. He passively allowed that to happen. Uh, He allowed, in my mind, for free will to continue in Pharaoh's life. Uh, I think Romans chapter 1 helps us with this. Romans chapter 1, Paul says that ever since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, His eternal power, divine nature, have been clearly seen, being made known through what is created. So man is without excuse. So from the beginning, God has made him His glory known, but we exchange the glory of God for other things. We say no to God, and at one point, God passively says he God gave them up to what he, he was going to do. He allowed the cup to be taken, right? Uh, now, could God have not done that? Could God have said, no, I'm going I'm to move the coffee farther away so you can't get it? He could have done that, but he allowed that to happen. Now, what was he then involved in the hardening of Pharaoh's heart? He was, but not by making his heart hard, but allowing Pharaoh's heart to be hard. 
Does that make sense? So he was, in, yes, he was hardening the heart by allowing it to happen. Not his action, but him allowing free will even in a sinful man. A little bit farther, one other thing to point to. You can wrestle with if you want to in your own time. How, how about this? Go, <laughs> go to verse 22 and 23 and look at the difference between the wording around those who are vessels prepared for destruction and then in verse 23, the vessels of mercy which he has prepared beforehand. You see his action being clearly, I think, that his action that he did was the mercy action prepared him for glory. So that preparation for destruction was something he was, I think, allowing to happen, not he was doing himself, right? As we compare verse 22 and 23. So, okay, back to the question. Read the question to me one, one last time. Uh, I think it was the Uvalde Yes. The children and the killer. It's yeah. it's not written out in question form, but how does Roman nine address yeah. those issues? Yeah. So th- here's the what, wickedness that's out there. Yeah, the wickedness that, that that's out there. God is allowing that to happen. He is giving us over to that. Does that mean he's involved? Yes, he's a sovereign God. He could stop it, so he's involved. But he's allowing that to happen right now in our life, and he's choosing to get involved in t- at times in his mercy to prevent it. But he doesn't all the time. Well, let me let me kind of shift gears here. Uh, throw you. It's not as much a curveball. My son plays baseball, so uh, I'm familiar with curveballs. Okay. Uh, he just hit one. It was foul, but hit it over the fence. I was kind of proud dad moment. But yes, well, um, neither here nor there. He hit it farther than me. Well, <laughs> he would also beat you in wrestling, but we won't go hey, there. Hey. Um, uh, especially if you took my coffee, I'd sick him <laughs> after you. So, anyways. <laughs> Um, does it say anywhere in the Bible, and this is there are several questions around this, but I'll just ask one specific. Does it say anywhere in the Bible that only those who are predestined can become Christians, be saved? Several uh, around that issue right there, but that would answer several of the questions that came in. Yes. Uh, yes, we did see several questions around this. Does it say that you have to pre- be predestined to be saved? Now, most of the time when salvation is talked about in the Bible, it does not use the words predestination, election. There's other places, Ephesians chapter 1, if you want to go there later. The Bible talks about those other places, but most of the time it talks about salvation, it doesn't use these words. And so I think on purpose, God's not necessarily needing us to think about this. But here, what, here's what is consistent in the Bible, and I'll just larger context of Romans. All of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. All of us have rebelled, Right? The penalty for our sin is death. It's what we all deserve, right? That's why God is just in judging some, right? All of us have sinned. So what saves us, right? Uh, Some argue around the conversation of election, predestination in these words. They say, hey, do you pray for people who are not saved? If you say yes, you believe God's sovereignty, his predestination, his election is somehow involved on some level because you believe God needs to move in their life, Mm -hmm. right? So another way of saying it is, do you believe all three of these words are true in the sentence, God saves sinners? If, If you believe God saves sinners, 
you believe on some level that his righteous action has to insert into our lives in order for salvation to happen. Uh, we're going to see as we continue forward and come back next week. This is a great transition. Yeah. We'll, we'll land on this question. We, we'll see that Paul's going to move now to talk about our response to the gospel by believing, confess with your mouth that Jesus, Lord, believe in your heart that God raised you from the dead, you will be saved. And he'll say the words that anyone, he'll use the word anyone two different times, right? Anyone who will do that is saved. Well, how can someone do that if they haven't heard, right? Well, I believe that God's election and predestination for us that know Jesus, we get to be part of that. Because we'll see actually the following Sunday as we continue through chapter 10 that he'll say, how can someone believe if they haven't heard, right? And how are they going to hear this good news of God sending his son, dying on the cross for our sin, rising again, that we have a new king, that we can repent, believe, and follow him? How can we believe that if someone doesn't share that message with us? And, And then he'll say, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring the good news? So... I love how yeah. in the, this last week's sermon you mentioned human responsibility. Yes. Looking towards, and, and you haven't said those words, but just the, the beauty, the poetry of those words as we move into Romans 10, yeah. the human responsibility. Yeah. I do believe as we look at it, uh, and, and here's, I may, I'll say something I wasn't planning to say. I believe, initially, I shared a little of this, my, my background was very much uh, apart from hearing teaching on God being involved, it was all, uh, you know, uh, every Sunday I have decided to follow Jesus. It was human response that was emphasized. I do believe that the more in control God is, the better it is for everyone, right? He is, God is love, and he loves the whole world, and he desires for no one to perish. The Bible says that, right? So I believe the more in control he is, the better it is for everybody. I also believe the more in control he is, the more glory he's going to get from this. And so if, if you've never really studied it, he's, dive into Romans chapter 9. Dive into the passages he points you to throughout the Old Testament. Dive in. I, I went, and just for fun, a few weeks ago, I tried to look at, is this not just Paul's teaching? And I, I looked at Jesus' teaching, both God's saving and his work, and then also... Us responding to that, John teaches, again, God saving and his work, and then us responding, Peter teaches both God saving it being his work, us responding to it. Luke, when he writes the Gospel of Luke and Acts, teaches both God saving work, his initiation doing, and then us responding to it. Paul, again, and we're talking about it, and we have been this week and will next week, does both. But if God's involved and the more control he's in, the better it is for us and the more glory he gets. No one's going to be singing in heaven, uh, Mark, you made it. Sam, you're great. No, no one's singing that, right? It's praise God from whom all blessings flow. Let me ask one more before we go, because there were a couple questions related to this, and it's kind of looking ahead to Romans 10, Good, where we were. They were very specific, as um, and, and just to summarize some of those questions and then ask one, it's basically, my sons made confessions of faith when they were young. Will I see them in heaven uh, if they've fallen away from their faith? Uh, along those lines, several questions, but here's one specific to help you kind of guide this, this last part of the discussion. When someone dies who has never known Jesus or heard of him, 
uh, would they suffer in hell or would God reveal himself and provide that person the choice to live an eternal life with him in heaven? Kind of talk about the salvation aspect of it. You were kind of hitting on that right now as we look ahead to Romans 10. Okay, yeah, I'm looking now at the wording of that question again. When someone dies who has never known Jesus or heard of him, suffer in hell, or would God reveal himself and provide that person a choice to live an eternal life with him in heaven? Uh, I'll point ahead again to chapter 10, right? Uh, How will someone know Jesus unless they have heard of him? Paul will use almost those exact words in the next chapter. So, how will they call on him in whom they have not believed? How are they to believe in him whom they have not heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? The the way people are saved is through believing in the gospel. Nowhere in the Bible do we read someone say, the writer, through the Holy Spirit's promptings, try to figure out if you're elect. That's not, no one, it says, believe in the name of the Lord Jesus. Everyone who believes in him is saved. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So uh, the short answer to that question, you can't believe. You can't call on the name of the Lord unless you have heard of him. And so, yes, they're going to suffer in hell, which should motivate us, right, to be part of his plan to bring the good news of the gospel to those that don't know it, right? That's what's happening in Mission McKinney this week as we love our neighbors in our neighborhood. We have our youth and adult leaders that are sharing the gospel with our neighbors. Why? Because we believe that God shows mercy and saves those who believe and receive the gospel. Repent of their sin, believe, and follow Jesus. I mean, basically, those listening now, you, I, our responsibility, if we have made Christ our Lord and Savior, is to go and tell other people. Yes, yes. That's that's the end result of all this. We need to go tell people about Jesus. That's right. Who are we telling today about Jesus? How are we living our lives as we're driving into work, as we're uh, going to a ball field, as we're on vacation, going into a hotel? Who, Who are we telling about Jesus in our lifestyle? Absolutely. Beautiful, Mark. Yeah. Well, um... Uh, kind of to wrap this up, we're about at the end of our time. I will tell you, if you want to join us on Sundays, we're here at First McKinney in McKinney, Texas at uh, 915-1045. If you're close enough, we'd love for you to join us. If not, you can always join us online. Again, if you have a question for us that we might answer in later episodes, you can send a text to uh, send the word question to the number 96123. And it'll send you a prompt, and you just follow that prompt from there and send in your question. Uh, And as I mentioned earlier, our archives are at firstmckinney.com slash on demand. You can listen to any of our past sermons, including this latest one on Romans 9. Uh, You have anything you want to wrap us up with? Hey, thank you for giving a little time to diving deeper on your end. And if this was helpful for you, we don't know how long we're going to do this, frankly. If it was helpful for you, you can share it, you can subscribe, you can, we're going to know it's helpful through the feedback we receive and then also through seeing how many actually uh, participate in the content. So thank you again for jumping in. Thank you for joining us this week on Q&A at Deeper Dive. We hope you'll like, subscribe, and share this podcast along with others. You can submit your questions by texting QUESTION to 96123, and we'll discuss those each week. Again, thank you for joining us.